0: Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments, or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 242. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. And I spoke with Sylvia Gallagher for this episode, Acting Assistant Commissioner at the ATO. Now we spoke about uh, the support that the ATO has been able to give to businesses and tax professionals during the pandemic period. The uh, the long road back to business as usual, which actually it seems won't be business as it was, but the new normal business, which is an improvement. Um, how job maker and job keeper have performed, and also the role now and in the future that the ATO envisages the tax agents will play. Thanks for speaking with the Tax Wrap podcast, Sylvia. It's very good of you to do that.
1: Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, look, um, our members, of course, talk to us all the time and we, we hear all sorts of war stories about what's happening with their business clients out there. But the ATO, of course, is at the forefront. They're at the coalface of what's going on in the economy. What can you tell our listeners about what the ATO data is saying about um, businesses and how they've been dealing with COVID-19.
1: Yeah, Steve, it's probably no surprise. You know, we have seen that everyone has been impacted by the effects of COVID-19 in some way. Mm. But it is really vastly different for everyone. So some businesses have done really well. Others are recovering really well, while others really do continue to be under strain. And some really haven't seen much change at all. A lot of small businesses, though, do operate in industries that have been significantly impacted by COVID-19 restrictions, like cafes, restaurants, um, and the arts and recreation. And tourism, exactly. But neither industry nor location alone really tells us how business is doing at the moment. What we do know is that businesses who were able to work remotely or online generally performed better through COVID than those who couldn't, but not always. So, you know, there are Mm -hmm. exceptions to that as well. Yeah. And we do see that businesses who traditionally keep good records and have continued to keep good records to use technology to run their business and who have actually that contact, that regular contact with a tax um, or business advisor generally do better. And those trends have been, you know, happening over time. And they were also very true during COVID. And continuing this is especially important during the recovery phase. So, you know, some of the common errors that we see um, small businesses make are not necessarily when they're working with a tax professional or a business advisor and, you know, they do fail to declare income or, you know, they're not accounting for private use of business funds or assets and not keeping records to um, to, to have that adequate record-keeping, which then just puts them further behind, and in the midst of a pandemic, it does make it more difficult as well. You know, cash flow has always been a really strong focus for businesses, and we continue to see that. Um, We have seen that there has been a boost in confidence in relating to cash flow, so... Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, according to the latest ABS data in February, over 40% of small businesses this year were worried about their ability to meet the next three months' financial commitments, However, in March we saw that this dropped to less than twenty percent. So there has been that rising confidence in businesses, which we are uh, we think is quite positive. Mm, yeah. And so you know the data really tells us that everybody's different, and that the the COVID experience isn't the same for 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 businesses across the board. Yeah. You know, regardless of location um, and and the type of business. One thing that we do encourage, though, is for us to be able to help businesses is for our Agents and bass agents to help your clients to lodge. So we do use that lodgement information, especially activity statements, to understand where businesses are struggling, which businesses are struggling, and then we use that to to try and understand how we can help as well. Yep. So yeah, so you know at the moment everyone is doing really differently, but we do encourage people to keep lodging so that we can make sure that we can keep understanding where people are at and help where where, where needed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see. I understand. It's um. It's funny that's th- as though. The business community, especially small businesses, I'm I'm not sure why, but they're just waiting to return to business as usual, and that's the long-term aim, get back to business as usual. Uh, Look, so we're working towards that. Um, Is the ATO looking at uh, any change of policy or any new policies or restarting programs or dropping other programs? Any changes in the outlook uh, as we get back to business as usual?
1: Yes, yeah, Steve, there are a few initiatives that I did want to mention today. And, you know, we're all wanting to get back to business as usual, whatever that means, yeah. post-COVID. Right. But look, we are really focused on our re-engagement with the community. Then the specific changes which um, impact the professional cover as well. So there are a couple of things that I did want to talk through. But, you know, many of you know that last year we paused all of our compliance activity. That's um, right. Obviously... Mm except for cases where there was that serious evasion or egregious behaviour. And this included our audits, our lodgement, um, follow-up, payment and debt collection activity and recovery. So obviously that that can't stop forever. We do need to help people get back on track. Right. And we have resumed our focus on following up with clients with outstanding lodgements and payments, as you would expect and as the economy um, requires and, and expects us to do. Yep. We do want clients to have certainty, though. So, you know, we want people to understand their total net position, to be aware of their obligations so they can make informed decisions, so they know what actions we might take, um, which will be appropriate, and know what support options are available, especially, you know, know where to go if they need help. Right. So we've implemented a phased approach to our client engagement with a view to uh, understanding circumstances and helping people to get back on track. So previously, we you know, worked with clients and we, we kind of treated everybody the same. If you have a date, you get treated in the same way. But over right. the past few years, we've really been focused on actually trying to understand individual circumstances and working with clients um, according to their circumstances. Yeah. So, Well, that,
0: that's a good thing, which is good, which is great, you know. Yeah. Diff- people have different circumstances and that, that's a really d- a good development.
1: Correct. And we're mm. trying to do that more and more, especially with COVID um, and the fact that everybody has um, come out of this or is still experiencing this quite differently yeah yep um so from June last year we pretty much just helped clients through conversations just you know we reached out just to understand how people were going so we weren't doing any chasing up we were just checking in and then from February this year we appropriate and we where we'd observed that clients weren't engaging our interactions went from how are you going to follow up you know what what you actually need to engage now, you need to pay. Obviously, this was after we'd tried to engage and and tried to make sure that people were doing okay.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: And then from April, you know, we did start taking firmer and stronger action, including legal action where appropriate. So we have in that space, whereas going back to business as usual, um, I guess as much as we will go back to business as usual, I think that empathetic and uh, tailored approach is really important going forward, not just in times of, of the pandemic and... And COVID, but actually as, a, as an ATR approach going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, must, I must,
0: Can I just make a comment? I, I think um, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of movement in the uh, – getting back to business as usual, but we're not – I think the meaning is not to go back to way, the way we were because online has become so much more important, right? Online is a way to do things. There's online services for agents, of course, is a, a bit of a, a – a, has been a big – not a big change, but a, a welcome change. Um, what about in that area? What about the online services?
1: So in terms of the online services for agents, so we are looking at um, how to improve the experience for um, for agents. So obviously the the transition from portals to online services and equally ELS to PLS, uh, we will continue to try and understand right. and transition that experience and make sure that um, that tax agents are prepared and they have the, 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 the information, the data that they need. To, to be able to work and help their clients in the future. And, you know, the progression of that is really around making agents fully self-sufficient in the, the digital services so they don't have to call us if they don't absolutely need to.
0: Yes. Yes, of course.
1: Um, but I guess I did want to say um, in relation to, you know, engaging and re-engagement and that, you know, business as usual, we, we do know that um, the longer that debts are left unattended, the more the more issues that that presents for the clients, and the harder it is to get out of it. So, you know, we are really wanting people to get back on track and contact us. Um, you know, consider setting up a payment plan. These can now be done online, uh, which previously they yes. couldn't. You know, through online services for business now, which is new. And I'll speak. Well, that's Yeah. one of those progressions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So,
1: you know, you don't you can you you don't have to do it for your clients if you don't want to. They can actually do it for themselves. Right. And look, we're always here to help with managing debts as well and it's never too late to engage with us no matter when that timing is. And, you know, it's much better to engage early rather than sitting there hoping that a debt's going to disappear because it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't work. (laughs) It just gets bigger. And look, it is also important to note that it's not just the penalties that apply that, you know, stronger and firmer action will also apply and, you know, we won't necessarily do it straight away but after we've attempted to contact and engage a client after reasonable time has passed to allow well, taxpayers to contact us after we've provided taxpayers with advanced warning, you know, we will apply that stronger action because the community yeah, as it expects yeah. us to and agents and yeah. clients if they don't engage we just think that they don't want to engage. We don't necessarily know that they're struggling or that there are issues. We just think at the moment they're just not interested in engaging.
0: Yeah, yeah. But,
1: Steve, I did talk about online services for business and, and you did ask in relation to um, some of the – so that's the support that we're offering. There are also a couple of things that um, are also on hand that we're looking at um, in relation to you know getting back to BAU and – Online services for business uh, was implemented or has just gone live uh, earlier this year Yep, and obviously replaces the old portal. So the business portal, same as online services for agents replaced the the tax agent portal. So it really is just about aligning our online services so that they're consistent across experience and across channels. So individuals, business and agents all now have that same experience. And, you know, the really good thing about it is as a tax agent, you can see what your clients can see because you're working off the same platform. So, you know, being able to give that support and talk through those different services and what you're both seeing in those systems, you know, hopefully we'll we'll make sure that that makes it much easier for agents to be able to help their clients, small businesses or or individuals. And as I said, you know, we do have, um, there are some new functionalities in the online services for business. Including view and print tax return and income tax history, create payment plans, which I mentioned earlier, um, and then also switch between businesses with a single login, which we knew was um, an irritant for tax agents as well. So, so that's in there. Oh
0: yes, yep. Right.
1: Um, We've also got just a couple more that I did want to mention as well. So we've got e-invoicing. So no doubt you would have heard of e-invoicing.
0: That's right. And there's people who can supply it in the correct way. Yep. That's a good thing. Yeah.
1: So, you know, it is a really important step in delivering that complete digital approach for running a business. It's um, the automated digital exchange of invoice information directly between a buyer's and seller's accounting systems, which is really important to, you know, to talk about that buyer's and seller's accounting systems. It's not between the ATO, the buyer and the seller. It really is about um, that, you know, the ATO is completely outside of that relationship. So we're just really managing the change because... We're experienced in managing big change like this and, um, you know, we have that relationship with the digital service providers right. and it's something that, that, you know, because we're a large organisation and it's a large product and, and implementation, you know, we're in a good place to be able to deliver that. But it's not, it is not a tax compliance or a, da- or a data collection initiative and the ATO doesn't have any visibility of the data exchange. It really is between the buyer and the seller.
0: Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah,
1: so that's one of the things that has yeah. come up in questions around, you know, yeah. will this be used for tax compliance? Well, it's actually technically impossible for that to happen because we just don't see that data. We don't have that information yeah, yeah. and there isn't a channel for us to do that.
0: No, but in the end, it's going to help with the the efforts of the ATO, of course, because it's just all streamlined and, and online, et cetera.
1: Yeah, so, well, yeah. if the employers then choose to report that information to us, of course, it, it won't be something that oh. we extract. No, no. But, you know... We do know that digital interactions save on running costs. You know, we do we do hear from small businesses especially, you know, it's expensive, cash flow is an issue and uh, according to Deloitte Access Economic Estimates, every time an e-invoice replaces a tax invoice or a paper invoice, it delivers up to $20 in cost savings for the business involved. So, you know, while there may be... An yeah, well, you know, while well, there may be an yeah, initial yeah. outlay to um to 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 get the software, yeah, hopefully you know businesses will be able to see that actually in the long term it does benefit them.
0: Of course, yeah.
1: And then the last thing I did want to mention, sorry, Steve, was STP Phase Two.
0: It's. I was just going to mention STP. You were talking about interactive programs, etc. So STP Phase Two is on its way. January one, I think, is it becomes uh, compulsory. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: That's correct. So it does start on January one. That is a mandatory start date. Um. Hmm. But, the, you know, don't stress if you don't think that you're going to be ready then. We do have, we are working really closely with software developers in relation to making sure that they're ready by the time. Those who won't yeah. be will uh, be able to request a deferral and we'll work with them through that and that applies for their clients. And then those clients who who may not be ready at that time, but their software is, there will be a deferral process that they can also ask for. And that will be released in the guidance fairly soon. So if it's if it's right. not on our website already, it, it absolutely will be. Yep. yep. But essentially the aim of, of STP Phase 2 is to reduce the reporting burden for small businesses. So, you know, we do hear that um, employers need to report information to multiple government agencies. You know, for example new or improved fields in STP report will mean that um, employers won't need to send uh, TFN declarations separately to the ATO. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so
1: that'll be done through STP and um, they also won't need to provide lump sum e-letters to their employees. Right. And then there are some fields also that, you know, we'll share with Services Australia, which means that employers will no longer need to provide separation certificates. So. And we'll also report some or replace some reporting to child support, and that really depends on the software developer and, and what they've got in their, um, in their software. So some may offer and some may not. Okay. Yeah, yeah but it yeah. really is around, you know, just capturing data in the one place that you are already, you know, sending to multiple places and uh, just making it easier for employers to report that information across government.
0: The thing is that employers have enough to do already, it's, you know, sending bits of information, data here, there, and everywhere. I mean, it, it just sounds streamlined. Um, Sylvia, just a little while ago, you were talking about restarting the compliance efforts. Uh, there's, there's tax debts to chase, etc. And that the data that is put in front of the ATO doesn't necessarily inform you if a business is struggling or not. However, once it becomes obvious that a business is struggling and has been having a bit of trouble um, looking, you know, meeting their obligations... What can or what is the ATO doing to help struggling businesses?
1: Yes, Steve, we are saying, you know, that there are still businesses who are under a lot of pressure and there are still tax agents who are under a lot of pressure. But really yes. what you know, what we're doing is we want to reassure the community that we are um, taking an empathetic approach. We are, you know, we do understand that, um, you know, people make legitimate mistakes um, and where good faith um, has been made in those mistakes, you know, we are going to be understanding about that so we're not yeah. uh, we're not trying to chase down you know, people who have genuinely tried to do the right thing and just made a mistake. So we do understand that that happens. Yeah. Having said that, though, you know, penalties will apply against those who are deliberately trying to get away with doing the wrong thing. And we are really focused on, you know, making sure that we do help to create that level playing field by, you know, by by just making sure that we've got, you know, we're focusing on, on the right people and the right businesses in the right ways.
0: Yes. Yep. Mm. What, what 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 sort of um, uh, options are there i mean what sort of uh, things are Yeah so at?
1: we've got you know and this isn't just for covid this is you know yeah. anytime we've we've always got support mechanisms in place we've got our lodgement program help so you know if your your clients feel overwhelmed you're behind with the lodgement program, you know, just reach out and contact us. You know, we can help you, we can find a solution. And I do feel I'm saying a lot when I speak, just get in touch with us because we don't actually know if you're struggling until it's usually too late.
0: Right, okay, yeah.
1: And I have a team that does, you know, that does recognise and, and we do monitor the tax agent lodgements. But, you know, it's there's such a broad population, it's not unless someone is really struggling that we actually go out and start to reach out. So we don't necessarily want people to get into that situation. If you reach out early, then we can help you early. Um, and so that's, that's you know, really the, the, the key message that I want to get out today.
0: It's a good message for tax agents to give to their clients. Look, don't be afraid of t- contacting the ATO, even through us, because it can only result in a better outcome. Right,
1: and, you know, we'll try and help you. You know, we, we are... We will genuinely try and help. We do understand that um, people have had issues. And look, if you, there are lots of services that you can use, which I, I think I'll touch on a little bit later, especially for tax agents,
0: oh, good. to yep. make sure
1: that they can get that help. Yep. So there are also, you know, the government also uh, introduced some new measures in the 2020 budget to support businesses. Okay. And, you know, specifically the temporary full expensing and the loss carry back. So
0: That's
1: right. I'm sure you remember they were introduced in that That's late right. October budget. Yes, yep. Yeah, so these measures do provide a temporary tax incentive to support new investment and um, to help deliver cash flow benefits to business. So for 2022 budget, temporary full expensing is to be extended for another year, although this isn't law yet, so obviously um, we do need to wait till that passes through through Parliament. Right, yep. But essentially, look, you know, temporary full expensing you know, is designed to stimulate investment in new assets, where eligible businesses can deduct the full cost of the eligible depreciating asset of any value in the first year they're held, or first used or installed, uh, ready to use for taxable purposes... You know, and the cost of improvements uh, to existing eligible depreciating assets made during this period can also be fully deducted. So yep. you know certainly do encourage uh, people to take advantage of that measure. It is intended to to help you know create a bit more cash flow in the business. And it obviously um interacts then with a loss carry back measure which was also introduced. That's right. Yep. and you know loss carry back you know could help to result in in the tax losses. You know, and help to carry those losses back to the previous year for eligible corporate entities who choose to make that loss carry back to the previous year. So they do obviously interact with each other.
0: They do, yeah. Yeah, and
1: look, there are a whole lot of other depreciation incentives which can also be used, you know, and that can be applied on an asset-by-asset basis. But I think it's just really important for tax agents to speak to their clients, understand their situation, you know, look at, at, you know, their investments asset by asset to understand, you know, which depreciation method is best for their clients.
0: Yes. Yeah, I understand. Um, Sylvia, a little while ago, you mentioned, of course, there are businesses that are struggling. Um, You know, what we hear all the time, there are members, there are tax agents and practitioners who are finding it very hard as well. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what the ATO can can offer help in the way, you know, for, for tax agents and other practitioners?
1: Yeah. Um, so firstly, I do actually want to take this time to acknowledge the really important role that the tax profession has played over the last 18 months. Good. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, and recognise that um, and acknowledge that, you know, the role that they've played in supporting their clients to, you know, weather the the pandemic as well as actually going through it themselves. So, you know, we know that tax agents Helping their clients to understand apply yep. um, for the different measures, but they were also going through that themselves, worried about their families, worried about lockdown, some were small business owners as well so you know I really do want to exactly yeah I do want to acknowledge that you know we we do appreciate we do recognize um, and we do thank the profession for that the role that they 've played
0: Oh, and, and coming back at you i mean the the um extension of lodgement deadlines and deferrals was a uh, Greatly appreciated, and the I think the eighty-five percent lodgement thing was dropped for a little while as well. Those sorts of things may sound minor to some people, but they are a big, big deal to a lot of people. But yeah, no, that that was appreciated.
1: Yeah, great, thank you. And yes, the the eighty-five percent lodgement is um, for last year. Obviously, we're not we're not looking at it. We're not worried about it. And to right. be honest, we look at that just to see how people are going. Um, rather than for compliance um, reasons. So oh, we yeah. actually use okay. that 85% um, to see how people are tracking, tax agents are tracking uh, with other tax agents and that's where we see where people are struggling and reach out to help them. So, oh, good, um, okay. And that's that intent of the 85%. It was never really intended to be a compliance measure. So it's just unfortunate that, that um, that you know, the profession sometimes sees it that way and, and well, feels oh, that pressure to meet it. So, Yep. Yes, um, so I guess uh, the support that we do have, so we do have a range of support options, no matter who your clients are, no matter how big or small you are, you know, everybody um, is in a different situation and we do recognise that. Um, we do want to make sure that the support is tailored though. So uh, previously, um, you know, you mentioned deferral. so last year we did the flexible uh, lodgement approach where we allowed uh, lodgements up to 30 June. Um, this year we didn't do that, um, mainly because our lodgement figures weren't indicating that uh, as many of the population were struggling. It really was around some people were doing really well and we wanted to make sure that they were encouraged to lodge and others were really struggling and we actually wanted there to encourage those people to reach out to us so that we could help them. Um, and, okay. you know, a lot of people have. Um, and we've, you know, we've been able to um, help those agents to set up, I guess, their own... Uh, mini-lodgement programs to ensure that yep. they, they can get back on track. Um, and we're more importantly, we've been able to understand their situation and then tailor a program specific to their needs. So, um, you know, where there's some lodgements could be met, um, you know, we kind of made a plan around what could happen when and, and set dates. So uh, we still have that. So we still have that available for agents. And it's actually not a pandemic thing. We've had it um, for quite a few years now. So it is available to all tax agents. Yeah. Um, and it's it's called our Supported Lodgement Program. Um, and, you know, we just want to make sure that that is uh, well known within the community that they can always access this service. So,
0: you were saying, you were saying there has been a, a jump in, in, in people reaching out for that sort of support?
1: Yeah, I mean, not a huge jump. Um, right. You know, I, I don't know how well known the service has been necessarily. So we've had, um, you know, a, a few people who have reached out to us. Um, hmm. Obviously, you know, people still apply for the deferrals um, and where we look at, you know, where people are applying for a practice deferral, we'll actually reach out and we'll, we'll talk to those people and put them on the supported lodgement program. So, okay. you know, just yep. really making sure we take a holistic approach. Yep, yep. But I think it's really important, Steve, if people are struggling, they need help to get their lodgement program back on track, this program's really easy to access through your practice mail. So all you need to do is select Debt and Lodgement, then Supported Lodgement Program and then select I'm inquiring on behalf of practice and then type I need help or even just help and then that's all you need to do and just send that through and um, a member of my team will contact you within
0: 72
1: hours but you don't need to do anything after that. So once we have that mail, once we have that, you know, that someone's reached out, you don't need to worry. So even if you don't get contacted because we're super busy within 72 hours, you don't need to apply for a deferral. You don't need to do anything. We'll look after oh, it. Right. So,
0: oh, good. So once that's done, just sit back and let, let just, the help arrive. Yeah,
1: I mean, don't <laughs> sit back. Obviously, you know, still try oh, no, and, no, and no. lodge. Well, you,
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. I was just going to ask, sorry, when you mentioned before about the um, supported lodgement, because I would imagine a lot of practitioners would find that things like the um, measures that were brought in, temporary full expensing, carry back they have to explain that to their clients in depth. Um, they, they can be complex, these issues. Um, uh, I just wonder if the clump complexity has fed into the uh, um, need for supported lodgement. Is there any data on that?
1: No, we don't have necessarily data on it. Well, um, not so data, that,
0: but feed, feedback.
1: Yeah, so look, the supported lodgement program is really around those who are really struggling. If there's additional information right. that tax practitioners need, then we have some really good stuff on our website. Oh, yeah. But then also where there are clients who are faced or tax agents who are faced with complex issues that you can't resolve through normal channels. So you can't resolve something through the telephone line or um, through online services and you're struggling to get a resolution for an administrative issue. We do have our complex issues resolution team. Um, And if you go onto the website and search for that, you'll be able to contact them. They're only really that second point of call if if you absolutely cannot get a resolution for something you've been trying for a little while. And this is also a dedicated service for tax agents, pass agents, legal tax... um,
0: Tax financial advisor, yeah. And tax
1: financial advisors, correct. So, you know, these services are specific to the tax profession. They are not um, for everyone and they in recognition of the role that the, the profession plays... Yeah, yeah,
0: and and as I said, the issues that they have to deal with. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: But look, I guess I just want to say, you know, whatever challenges that you're facing, just reach out, you know, just contact us, and we'll try and help in whichever way we can.
0: Oh, that's good to know. Good to know, Sylvia. Um, now in the past, well, even now, Australia has been um one of the countries that makes big use of tax agents, where we're a big tax practitioner user as as a community, um. I suppose I don't know how much you can say, but looking to in the into the future, can you give us an idea of what the, what the ADO sees as the role of tax agents in the tax system?
1: It's a funny. It's a big one. question. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, look, it is a really big question, and you know the role of the profession continues to evolve, and you know as you'd know, it's much more than just filling out forms. So. Mm. Um, you know, there's no doubt that tax and BAS agents play a really pivotal role in the administration of the tax and super system, but they do more than that. You know, that, that's more than than just, you know, their role in the tax and super system. They're trusted advisors, they're confidence, they're, that's right. you know, small business advisors, they, they're growth experts, they're counsellors, they're, you know, right. they, they play a really significant role. So I think, you know, the, the future of the tax profession is that? I think it's that evolution of uh, the ta- the traditional tax agent role, the BAS agent role, um, to becoming what it is becoming now, and what a lot of tax practitioners are doing, and you know, offering those value-added services and working with their clients to make sure that they their businesses are set up properly, and they're you know, starting from the beginning with a small business around setting mm. up that record keeping, and you know, we will also, I think, the profession will continue to evolve. So I think, you know, while I can't necessarily say what's it going to look like in the future, I think the profession will evolve in the way that their clients need it to evolve.
0: Oh, of course, yep.
1: And I think, you know, we will continue to provide support while the profession evolves. So, you know, we'd heard very early in reinvention, you know, ATO, get out of our way and let us do our job. So, you know, that's kind of (laughs) what we want to do. We want to get out of your way. We want to give you the services that you need to be able to support your clients and you know you'll see that with PLS replacing ELS, the replacement of the portals, the introduction of MyGovID, STP, we're trying to make sure that the profession is as self-sufficient in that tax administration space as it can be so that you know you can just do do your job and do what you need to do and look we are trying we are providing more self-service options, Um, which will obviously enable efficient and effective interactions with your clients, Um, the visibility of data across services. So, you know, letting you see what your clients can see um, and making sure that, you know, that that information is available to both of you so that you can have really good conversations. And we're also working with the professional associations and the representatives of the profession to have those strategic conversations on the administration of the tax and super system and any changes that impact the profession. So we are trying to include the mm. profession early yeah. in things that we're, we're looking at and things that we're, you know, we're looking at changing or improving. So obviously we want to do that. Uh, based on what the profession needs, not necessarily what we think the profession needs.
0: No, no, that's a good step. I mean, because the the practitioners are at the coalface dealing with clients. Um, I I do believe that's the the best source of information about what works and what doesn't.
1: Yeah, so do we. So we do work quite closely with um, the professional associations and we will continue to going forward. Look, And to be quite honest, I don't know what the profession will look like in the future. I'm not sure anyone does. But as it evolves, you know, we are really committed to working with the profession, um, to providing support and making our, I guess, um, our strategies and our initiatives really visible um, Mm. and, you know, involving those who those strategies and initiatives impact, involving them early in in the co-design of that.
0: Yeah, okay. Now, last, well, during the past year and a half, there's been uh, support programs and measures put in place by the government. JobKeeper was a big one. That was, that was huge, and, and a lot of people really took, made good use of that. Uh, and then came along JobMaker, um, which was to try to get people back to work. So I just wonder if you could briefly tell us a little bit about the ATO's experience around, since we're talking about help, about requests for assistance with JobMaker versus JobKeeper. Anything to tell us about that?
1: Yeah, look, both were quite popular programs. Uh, JobKeeper had a higher uptake than JobMaker, um, right. but, you know, look, they were you know, multi-billion dollar programs that, you know, provided real support and payments to eligible businesses. For the ATO, the implementation was really to ensure that we met the policy intent, which was paying eligible businesses and, you know, ensuring that there was a balance of integrity and assurances in place. And, you know, we think that that rolled out fairly well. It was a very quick rollout of the JobKeeper program, um, it was, and very, it was quick,
0: very very efficiently done. It was amazing, actually. But anyway.
1: we, we couldn't have done it without STP. So you know that oh, that yeah, foresight of having single touch payroll, and they just gave us that opportunity to be able to leverage those systems, mm. so that we could get that money out into the community really quickly. So that was right. um, that's really important. But you know we've we've just come to tax time again. Um, Uh, in relation to to JobKeeper. So I do actually just want to mention a couple of things before I go into some statistics, if that's okay. That's great, yep. So in relation to JobKeeper and JobMaker, both need to be included in tax returns. So just a a friendly reminder to make sure that they're included. Mm -hmm. JobKeeper will already be included in pre-fill for individuals. However, sole traders do need to include the payments as business income on their individual tax return. So that's really important. So pre-filled for individuals but not for sole traders. Yes. And uh, if the business is in a partnership or trust, those payments need to be included as business income in their partnership or trust return. Yes. And if the business is a company, then those payments need to be included as income in the company tax return. So just a few three key things just to remember just because we're right at tax time and um, I'm sure it'll be on the front of everyone's mind.
0: Well, just, but it can't hurt to remind people about that because you, there's a lot of things going on in people's minds when they're doing the uh, lodgement, et cetera. But uh, yeah. good, good to re- be re- reminded.
1: Yeah, so I'll just, um, I'll throw some stats at you now because, you know, in the tax profession, yeah. everyone loves some stats. Um, <laughs> so the JobKeeper program, which at $89 billion, is the largest economic support program in Australians history. So um, largest ever. And we supported over 3.8 million individuals. At the height of the pandemic, over 1 million Australian businesses were being supported by the program and small and medium businesses accounted for 97% of all recipients. So there's some pretty big stats there. And then in comparison with JobMaker, so JobMaker is still going. So if you still need assistance now that JobKeeper's closed... You can see if you're eligible for the Job Maker Hiring Credit, which is is an incentive for businesses to employ additional young job seekers aged sixteen yes, to yeah. thirty-five, which I'm sure you're all aware of. Yeah, you know, and if a business hires new employees, they may be eligible to receive payments under the scheme. So, you know, make sure if you've got employers who are looking at hiring, to have a look at that Job Maker Hiring Credit scheme, and that's available for each additional employee that's hired between seventh of October, twenty twenty. And sixth of October twenty twenty one, so you still have a little bit of right. time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you, I was just wondering if you had any stats on that.
1: I do. So as at um, the twenty fourth of May, there were two thousand four hundred employees covered under the Job Maker Hiring Credit, and we paid out over four point two million dollars. And that's, you know, I just want to remind you again, just make sure that you do take advantage of that if you have think of hiring new employees.
0: Yes. Yep. All right. It's all good. All good support as well as the um, it was just made law the FBT exemption for when you're retraining people who've you've got to let go and that's uh, it's all to do with employment and keeping people uh, moving what well, sylvia that's all very informative do you have any final messages you'd like to give to our listeners
1: um i think i've said it a few times but as always please contact us as early as possible so that we can provide that support um we yep. can't help you if we don't know that you need help and if we don't think that you need help we will Probably not be as helpful as you would like. (laughs) Of
0: course, you You can only act on what you know.
1: That's exactly right. So please do reach out. You know, I just want to make sure that um, the profession knows that we're here to help. Reach out to professional associations as well. So, you know, we do work really closely with them all the time. I have a meeting uh, weekly with them now at the moment in relation to tax time. So they're bringing up any issues that they're seeing. Um, We're talking with them about what we're seeing. So. Do, do speak with your professional associations. They yes. do represent you quite strongly within the organisation. So, yeah. but that's probably it, Steve. Thank you a lot. You know, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thanks for being on the program and, and filling us in with a lot of very nice detail. It's really good. All right, thanks for your time and uh, hopefully we can speak again next time.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Steve. Speak soon.